We're in a series entitled Common Lies of the Devil. And I love passing out the postcards because it's almost funny. It's like, hey, I want to invite you to church. And they look at it and there's a devil on it. And you're like, what, what? And, you know, it's just kind of messed up. But that's who we are. We're a little bit messed up. You can tell by the red pants and the shirt, all right? Make fun of me later. Make fun of me later, all right? But uh, we're in a series called Common Lies of the Devil. And, and I'm excited that you're here for this series because the best part about it is that God's, God's word when presented never comes back void. That's what his word tells us. It never comes back void. As it's preached, if you stand on God's word and you're firm with what the Bible says, which if you want to know what we believe, if you're a guest today and you say, what does this church believe? We believe the Bible. Like that's our our whole thing. Some people ask for the statement of faith and I just say, here's the book. (laughs) That's the statement of faith. There's stuff in the Bible that, that we believe that we have a high respect for the Bible. It's very, very important. And there's things in the Bible that there are things that I'm going to preach that I don't necessarily like in the Bible. And I need to make sure up front, when it talks about being patient, I have a hard time being patient. But if it's in the Bible, I'm going to preach it anyways, regardless of what, what we think, what I think, you think, what we think really doesn't matter. It's what he thinks. So if you're looking for a church that's going to preach God's word and just stand boldly on it, regardless of whether we even like it or not, you found the right place, all right? We're in this series, and, and Common Lies of the Devil... Um, Basically, we've just been going over lies that the devil would tell us and have us to believe. And we're just trying to break the lie with the truth of God's word. Because if you can be freed from the lie, God can use you. God can change your whole world. I don't know your background. I don't know anything about you today. Maybe you came in, you're a first-time guest, and uh, you don't even know why you showed up today. You're you're tired, you're groggy. Um, My kid, actually, this morning, Jace, he's my one-and-a-half-year-old, we tried to give him a bigger cup. Um, with it. it had a lid on it, but we tried to, like, instead of the screw lid, I think he's old enough, and literally he just took the cup off and just went <laughs> in the car. We were already here, all right? So he smells like milk, all right? So you may have had a bad morning or a rough morning. Um, just know that you found yourself in the right spot because we're going to present God's Word today, and it might give you new perspective on some stuff and help you out. Um, the lie today in your notes, the lie I want you to know The lie that the devil would have each of us to believe is that church is not important. That's a huge, huge lie. And we're going to talk about it here in a few minutes. But I want to give you that up front. Church is not important. Remember the little red guy there? Yeah. Um, He doesn't want you to to think that church is of any value. Let's talk about it. Let's break the, the lie here. Before we do, though, I want to talk to you about August 6, 2006. What was August 6, 2006? It was a day which will live in infamy. It was the day that I married the love of my life, Amy Moore, all right? She uh, finally decided, you know what, I guess he's all right, and uh, we'll, we'll try him out, right? I don't know. I, hopefully she's not trying me out, but um, basically I remember the wedding day. Y'all remember your wedding day? How many of y'all remember the wedding day? Come on, put them up, put them up. Watch it all follow. I don't know. All right, some of y'all know what I'm talking about there. Some of y'all don't. Um, um, it's okay. Don't ask. Don't ask. Um, I was only 18 when I was, all, when I was married, and against everyone's words of wisdom, I remember I walked down that aisle and I made one of the greatest decisions of my whole life. It was the greatest thing. I don't have any regrets of it. Um, I've been married almost eight years. It'll be this August. It'll be eight years, and uh, y'all can make fun of my wedding pictures later, but here's one to start with. There I was. I was a stud back then, too, right? Something like that. Y'all are laughing out of courtesy on that one, but that, they'll take it. Um, I know I looked young, but man, I got to be honest, I was macking back in the day. Y'all mack? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You single people, now if you're married, y'all better not be macking unless it's with your wife. But, but I, we called that macking back in the day. I was spitting some mad game at Amy, and uh, that's what you do when you're a teenager, right? I was 18 years old, and, and I was trying to just catch some, 
catch some uh, honeys, right? I was trying to, trying to find her. And uh, first day I met Amy was before uh, my 16th birthday. And I was literally one of the few, few teenagers in the youth department. We hadn't had like a huge youth department. It was very, very small. And uh, I remember I was scoping. And let me kind of give you my scenario in church. Um, I'm a pastor's kid, so I've kind of been around the church environment. I've seen a lot. There's some stuff I really liked, and there's some stuff I really didn't like. We'll talk more about that later. But when they would say, bow your head and close your eyes for the final prayer, that was my cue to open my eyes and put my head up and look around and scope, all right, because I'm looking for someone, there's somebody, if you're single, you're ready to mingle, you're single, you're ready to mingle. Can I get an amen from the singles? Amen, amen. all right, some singles ready to mingle, all right, that was my cue, I was looking for the total package, you know what I'm saying, I'm looking for somebody who, has a, uh, who is a hottie with a body, you know, a spiritual fox, somebody, you get it, I don't know if you get it, I'm going to make sure, I was looking for it. I was looking for a person to put as my Facebook status that I could just for fun say, it's complicated. Maybe not that one, all right? I didn't want it to be that way. I wanted, I wanted to have somebody that, that I could really uh, do life with and somebody that whenever I would meet them, they would speak into my life and they would encourage me to be a better person. And my standard was, if you're going to drag me down, I ain't going to get with you, all right? So I want somebody who's going to raise the bar up and make me want to be a better person. And uh, so I remember that, that Amy, she uh, sang and traveled with her family and she would travel across uh, different different cities and do that, and she came, and the very first day, for me, it was love at first sight. I mean, I literally, I just thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to do something here, because I need to make sure that I stand out, and I stand out anyway, because I'm just a goofy weirdo, but but I'm, I'm being, just being honest, uh, I was like, I see her, Oh, yeah, it's on, all right? We're, I'm going to do something. And I remember going out to my car, and this is the way, you know, a teenager thinks. And some of y'all, if you're a teenager in here and you're trying to figure it out, take some notes. I'm helping you, all right? Helping you. Here's what you do. I went to my car, and I got, yeah, I close your ears, right? You're not old enough for that yet. Um, <laughs> I went to my car, and I grabbed a CD out of my car, and it was like, uh, you know, just what I don't even know what it was. And my goal was Amy was sitting kind of towards the front, and they had the pews in the, in the you know, the churches, the pews. Um, they had the pews up there, and she was kind of towards the front on the right side. So my, my goal was, you know what, I got to do something to make sure she notices me. So I grabbed this CD, and I, I walked from my car all the way up onto the stage. Now, the stage wasn't like ours, it's the same level. It was like stage, stage, all right? So I get up on the stage, and I, I'm smiling ear to ear because I'm just like, this is great. I know she can see me now, all right? I got to get in sight. And so, so I go up to the, to the music director, and I say, hey, Tyler. I said, see that girl sitting about four rows back on the right side? I said, is she looking at me? And he goes, yeah. Of course, there's like five of us in the whole sanctuary on the, you know what I mean? And I'm like, all right, good, good. I need your help. I have no reason to be up here on the stage right now. I'm going to hand you this CD. Take it from me. Act like it means something, all right? Then I need your help to help me make sure I look important to this girl. Like, I'm somebody around here. And, <laughs> hey, I was crazy, man. I'm still a little bit like that. But, uh, basically, I did that. And, and Tyler was my buddy. And so we worked together on staff later after I, you know, graduated and whatnot. But Tyler was awesome because he said, uh, like kind of as I was walking down the stairs, kind of she could see me coming down, and, and he, he says, Randy, I just got to say, and I look back, and he said, loud enough for her to hear, you are the most important person in this room. <laughs> he said, you are the man, and I was like, thanks, Tyler, anything to serve the Lord, wink, wink, you know. <laughs> 
The best part was this. There was another girl there. It was a really pretty girl, and I'm not going to say her name, but she was a really pretty girl that all the guys in the youth department liked, and uh, I just, I wasn't, she wasn't my type, all right? So I, I remember I, I had to come up with a line. I was trying to think while I'm up there, a line. Uh, what can I do to talk to this girl? And I'm not shy anyways, but sometimes I don't think before I speak, which can be a problem. Um, another whole lesson, another whole message series. Some of y'all need that one, working on it. Um, but basically... Um, I remember looking over towards Amy's direction, coming near that, those, that, that section of pews, and I said, oh, it smells really good over here. <laughs> what a line. What a line. God just uses it, though. Um, what a line. And, and that girl, the really pretty girl, she says, I think it's me. She was kind of like that, um, and that's why I didn't like her. And so she kind of put her wrist out, and I, I'm a jerk. I went, no, it's not you. <laughs> I was a jerk, man. I was a jerk. And it, it, gave, me, it gave me an opportunity to, to look over at Amy and, and to give her the Randy. <laughs> and I leaned in and I said, I think it's you. <laughs> Y'all getting all this? Good news is this. Jeff is recording this. So if some of you guys missed some notes there. He's got your back, all right? We'll Facebook it to you. You'll have what you need. I didn't know this at the time. Some of y'all think, no, you didn't give her the look. I gave her a look. You know, I was like, I'm digging you. And she, I didn't know at the time she was really digging me. Um, so it was really awesome. But I, I remember, <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, she was. Um, I took her out to my car because that's what you do. You have, like, I have no game. So I, I, had, uh, I had to impress her. And I had this Eagle Talon that had, like, the, the stupid uh, glow lights underneath. Y'all seen those cars? They're just annoying. Um, yeah, it's annoying now. At the time when I was a teenager, it was really, I was awesome, you know. And so I had speakers that would flash, like, to the beat of the music. It was amazing. I wired it all up myself, and there was, like, wires hanging across the hood, all right? It was awful. But, but long story short, I took her out there, and, and we just began to talk. And, of course, I'm, you know, playing that CD that I gave to Tyler. And uh, Amy's, like, told me later on, you know, that day I was wishing that you would have just asked for my phone number. Because I didn't. I was a chicken. I, even though I was, like, so flashy up in front of everything, I was just too scared to ask for a number. I thought, there's no way that I've done enough to get her to want to go out with me. And I remember it was my 16th birthday coming up. It was right before my 16th birthday when I met Amy. And uh, my mom had asked her to come to my surprise birthday party that I didn't know about. And when I showed up, she was there. And uh, I was dating another girl at the time. That's another whole story. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's another story. i got to get off that as fast as possible. Uh, try to think how to speed it up. Long story short... On that day, yeah, it was not good. Um, on that day, I remember thinking, if this chica won't go out with me on my 16th birthday, I don't want to be with her because that's just cruel. Who would not go out with you on your 16th? It's your birthday, man. At least say yes on my birthday. And so I remember I called her up, and uh, I said, Amy, will you go out with me on my birthday? And we've been together ever since. Can we give Amy a round of applause for sticking with me this long? That's all prior to the wedding day. We're going to talk about the wedding day here in just a minute, all right? We'll get to it. The lie that the devil would have us to believe in what we're going to examine today is that church is not important. You're saying, how does this tie in? In a weird way, in a randy way, it just all fits together. You're like, what? Follow along with me, all right? Um, the devil's smart, though. He'd love you to be tricked and swindled into believing that church is of no value to you. 
that church is a waste of your time, that church is for weak people. There's so many people that have fallen for this lie, and I hope that you're not one of them. If you are today, listen, break the lie with the truth. Understand that you can come in here and be one way, and you can walk out of here completely different from the way you came. That's the best part about who God is and what he does. He transforms us. And so um, there's some people that believe, well, I can just stay at home and read my Bible, or I can watch church on TV, and that will be good enough. We're going to talk about that. From time to time, I hear people say statements like this. Well, God knows my heart. He knows my heart. He doesn't expect me to be at church every Sunday. I can still be a Christian and not go to church. Church isn't really that important. I want to address those statements today and those thoughts as we talk, but to set it up, because I love to set it up in a fun way. How many of y'all love ice cream? Throw it up. Come on. All right, you love ice cream. Is there anybody that's lactose intolerant that loves ice cream? Awesome. Dude, I'm lactose intolerant, and I love, that's my favorite dessert is bad. All right, I'm just saying. All right. I love ice cream. I, I don't like to just talk about it. I mean, I like ice cream. I want to go get ice cream. If you said it in front of me right now, I would eat it. Eat it right now, right in front of you. And I would enjoy every minute of it. And I'd be like, you'll wait. Come on. Give me what I need, right? I would just, I just love it. Um, how many of y'all love Cold Stone Creamery? Y'all been to there? Okay, it's not an Ohio thing, only good. I get that stuff. Man, oh, I don't just like it. I love it. I want some more of it. I try. Come on. So hard. I can't rise above it. Y'all were going to be thinking it if I didn't do it. So y'all just, there it is. How many of y'all love to eat filet mignon? Come on. Filet. A good filet. Now, now you can mess up a steak, can't you? Now, some of you guys, you get, you get your steak done like the color of my, my pants. You know what's going on. All right? If you get that thing cooked um, maybe medium or medium rare, that's a good steak. Now, some of y'all like it more well done. How many of y'all more well done? Okay, let me tell you something. I could throw my shoe at you, and if you ate my shoe, it would be the same equivalent, all right? Like, seriously, not a good steak when you do all that to it. It's just no good. How many of y'all love college football? Well, all right, football town. I knew I'd get some hands up on that one. College football, right? I know some many people are like, I like the World Cup. No, college football, all right? We're better for college football than we are for soccer because soccer's just weak. Y'all like soccer around here? Or? No? Sorry, Garrett. I'm not, I'm not down with you, bro. I'm not down with you. How many of y'all love the beach? Yeah, I'm walking out. I'm done with this church. How many of y'all love the beach? Come on. The beach? Oh, there it is. I found it. I found the beach. All right, the beach. Some of y'all, if your in-laws invited you, y'all go to the beach. You're just like, I don't even care. I'll just put up with it, you know, I'll get to the beach. Some of y'all will go on a 17-mile hike to get to the beach because you love the beach. We love things, don't we? Like, we, we just love them. Some things are just very, very enjoyable. I love ice cream. I love the beach. I love everything that I named here. There's not one thing that I just, like, hate. I love them. I'm good with them. I can, I can engage in those things. But you know what? When it comes to church, when it comes to church, a lot of people don't love their church. They don't love their church. You know how we know this? Because we can go into work tomorrow and say, man, I had the best. I went to Fugo de Chao. How many of y'all been there? Fugo de Chao? Oh, my. It, holy Bible. It was amazing. All right? Seriously, it was out of this world good. And I was treated, by the way, which I didn't even know I was going there. And they took me there, and that was even better because I didn't know what to expect. And when I went in there and I tasted it, was phenomenal. And when we go to work the next day, we can go say, hey, dude, I went to Fugo de Chao. And we'll talk about that. And those people, they will, they will engage with us. And they say, I went there, and it was the best salad of all time. Garrett, I got you, man. And, and it's, you know, you don't go there for the salad. You go for the steak because it's amazing. It's a Brazilian steakhouse. But uh, long story short, we can talk about those things, and that's not weird. 
We can talk about our favorite ice cream to our coworker, and that's not weird. But, but if you say, I love my church, that comes off as weird, doesn't it? You know why it comes off as weird? If you tell somebody you love your church, you know what they might do? They might say, well, you're part of a cult. You must be, and not that we've ever heard that, all right? Um, might have come from somewhere. I've heard that before. But, but reality is uh, they might come off like that because they don't love their church. That's the truth. That's bold, but that's the truth. And I don't know why all that happens the way that it does, and I don't want to get into everybody else and what they're doing. That's not the point. The point is I love my church. I'm here to tell you that I, I don't just like my church. I don't just tolerate my church. I don't just put up with my church. I don't just get by in my church. I don't just, you know, regret my church. I, I love my church. Like, I look forward to coming and seeing you hypocrites. It's amazing. It is amazing. Some of you are like, well, they're full of hypocrites. There's room for one more. You can join us too, all right? It is phenomenal up in this place because there are some people that have hearts of gold up in this place. It's amazing. The stuff that you guys are willing to do. Whew, some of you guys, I don't know, uh, the people that are willing to do all that, they might be weird. Dude, I'm not going to lie. They're weird, all right? Y'all are weird folk. And the reason I know that is because y'all come, like, real early. Like, like we had people here at 9 a.m. to set up everything, to move all the stuff to do church today. It's amazing what people do. Why? Because they have a heart to see people connect in to find and follow Jesus. That fires me up. I love you guys. I love this church. I love the people in it. I love what we stand for. I love God's word. I love what he's doing here. I love the energy in the place. I love that guests come. I love the smiles we get. I like that we can joke around with each other. You all need friends that you greet with an insult. I had a guy tell me that, hey, stupid, hey, stupid. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. You know, it's like we're comfortable here. It is amazing in this place because God is in this place. And that's the best part about it all is that we're not just here doing some social service or we're talking about some great um, character trait. that we, We're talking about God's living, breathing, active word. I love going to church. My goal for you is that we can create a church that you love going to. But let me tell you, it hasn't always been this way. Because I grew up hating church. I was a PK, a pastor's kid. And in pastor's kids' life, it's a lot different than, I think, just the regular congregational member because you hear a lot more. You're a part of a lot more of the controversy. You see a lot more. There's a lot more drama engaged, and there's a lot more work that needs to be done, and you hear so much. Um, but, but one thing I really hated about church is that, that my parents really wanted me to like it, and I didn't like it because we would go in and we would sing, um, and there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with different models of doing church. That is not the point here. I'm just telling you what I experienced and what I felt. Okay? I'm not against any particular way. I think that we need other ways of doing church that there are people that need to be ministered to different ways. So let me preface what I'm about to say with that. But for me as a kid, we would grow up and we would do, um, they would have the hymns out and they would throw, throw the hymn up and they would do the first, second, and fourth verse of the, you know, the first, second, fourth. They'd always skip the third and they would most frequently skip the third because it talked most about the Holy Spirit. And in Baptist world, the Baptist church I grew up in, you didn't talk about the Holy Spirit because he's a weird dude that you just kind of keep quiet. And, and if, if you talk about it too much, somebody might raise their hand. And if somebody raises their hand, it might be like a little offensive to somebody or you might think that's weird. And it would just be really weird. And my mom would ask me, do you like going to church? And I would amazingly, you know, uh, tell her that that's the equivalent to me taking my hand and sticking it in a blender and pureeing it. I hated going to church. Like, 
It was just not something that I wanted to do at any given point. And I would magically get sick on Saturdays, Saturday nights, like, we going to church in the morning? Yeah, tomorrow's church. Ugh, I'm not feeling well. And Sunday morning, I'd wake up, and, and it was like, I was real sick. And my mom was smart enough to know that, hey, you know, if you're sick, too sick to go to church, you're too sick to play video games or do anything else. And it was amazing how God has a healing power, and he healed me amazingly <laughs> on the spot every single time. And it was unreal how I just got with the game after that. That was then, but God did something for me. I had an encounter with God at a later point in time. And what he did was he, he took my blind eyes and he let me see. I was lost, but now I'm found. He revolutionized me. He changed my whole world. He gave me new perspective. He gave me new guidance, a new heart, a new attitude, a new mindset. And I can't tell you any better than I can tell you that I love what God's doing in my life. I love it. And I want it for you. Because I know that there are people here today that you feel just like I did when I was that little kid. And you're, you're like, you came in here today and you just wanted to like bang your head up against the wall because you're like, church, right? And, you, and your mom's there looking at you and, you go, and you're like, okay, I'm good. You know, I love it. You don't love it. But, you know, and you're in that spot right now. My hope for you is that today I can show you how important church is. And if I can get you to see with clear eyes what Jesus sees and why church exists, I think it'll fire you up. I want to fire you up. If you've got a flame going on you, something God's doing something in your life, and that Holy Spirit's been working in you for quite some time, or if it's not been working at all, what I want to do is I want to light a flame on you, and I want to throw gasoline all over you. I'm not going to do it in the sense of, okay, some of you are like, ugh. All right, here's the deal. I want to fire you up about what God wants for your life. And if I do that, here's what's going to happen. We're going to explode in this place with love for Jesus Christ. And that's what he desires is our heart. He wants your heart. That's what he's after. In order for us to have a church that we see as important and love to attend, we need to understand three things. And I want you to write these down. Science tells us if we write information down, we remember it longer. Is there anyone that did not get a packet with a pen, an outline, and an envelope? If you did not get that, we want to get you that right now so that you can take notes and use this time wisely. Anyone? Did they just do an amazing job getting everything that we need? Praise God. Praise God. Hey, we celebrate the wins around here. Some of y'all are like, I don't know about churches that make a lot of, wow, we make a lot of noise up in this place. We celebrate what God does. When somebody does something amazing, we give them credit for it. We drop props, man. God's using that person. Somebody got all those out. Somebody did a phenomenal job, and I'm proud of you. Don't know who did it. Don't know if it was a multiple group effort. Don't care. God is doing stuff. Thank you for making that happen, because now we can engage in God's word. We can write some stuff down and learn. First thing I want you to write down, the problem with why people don't love their church and we don't have a church that we love to attend is we need to understand the problem. The problem. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37 is our story today. If you've got your Bibles there, go ahead and flip to Ezekiel 37. If you've got your iPad, your iKindle, your iFire, your iWhatever, bring it out, man. Bust that out. Get you version up on the screen. And uh, you can also follow the screen. The scripture should be in your notes as well. We gave you the scripture because we want to make sure you hear it. We're going to make sure it's in front of you. You have opportunity. Listen, if you need a Bible today, you don't have one. You say, I just don't have a Bible. I will give you one. I will give you one. All you have to do is let me know. Anybody here that wants a Bible, all you have to do is go back to that back table. Look at those guys right there. They got you covered. We're going to give you a Bible today. We're going to hand it out free. We don't want nothing from you. Just smile at us and say, thank you. And that's it, all right? That's it. Go read that thing. By the way, some people say, what version is it? The best version of the Bible is the one that a person reads. 
It's amazing how when you read it, it does something. When you don't read it, it's amazing how it doesn't do anything, all right? So um, Ezekiel 37, I hope you've had time to get there. It says this, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. If you think the Bible is boring, or if you think the Bible is irrelevant, the story I'm about to share with you out of Ezekiel 37 is about to blow your mind. Because this is the farthest thing from boring. And I'm going to share it with you because there was this guy named Ezekiel. Let me explain what's taking place. Ezekiel was a very popular prophet. He had a successful ministry. God had really done some amazing things. But, but God, as he was doing these things, God uprooted him. And he took him from where he was. And he put him in this valley of dry bones. Now, a huge battle had taken place between the enemy army and God's chosen people, the Israelites. All right, And here's what happened. The Israelites... Um, God shows the people they were defeated. They were defeated. And they lay, they lay there, their remains, their bodies lay in remains in this valley. And they started to fall apart. Um, flesh began to decay and dry up. Wild animals would congregate there to eat the leftovers, you know, the wolves, the vultures. This was what was happening to the dead bodies of the Israelites because they had fallen to the enemy army. And Ezekiel is over there minding his own business, you know, updating his Facebook page or something. And God uproots him. You know, while he's doing that, he uproots him, and he brings him into the middle of this valley full of dry bones. I don't know about you. <laughs> That'd be scary. And I don't do scary very well. Like, I'm not, I'm not the guy that, you know, like, stays up by myself. I can do it with somebody else in the room, but, but by myself, watching, like, Friday the 13th, part 87, Jason chops up a bunch more people or something. Like, that's just, that just freaks me out, you know? Anybody else that freak you out? All right, you can holler up. You don't have to, you know, you, amen. You know, I don't care what you do. Okay, I don't, I don't, maybe none of that, but I don't know. I don't know. You can engage with me, but here's the deal. When I watch scary movies, do y'all hear everything after that? I hear everything after that. I hear a fly, like, touches the window a little bit, and it freaks me out. Oh, it's scary. Scary. I, I, I get to the point where I start seeing things. Y'all do that? I see dead people. No, okay. I hope not. Um, Your face is in the window. You know what? You look at the curtain long enough, all of a sudden that curtain says, what's up, dog? You're like, whoa. (laughs) It's crazy. Can you imagine? You're updating your Facebook page, and all of a sudden you're stuck in, you're seeing this, you're stuck in the middle. God uproots you and puts you in the middle of the valley of bones. And I can't prove this, but I believe that it was either dusk or dawn, and you can almost hear the music. You know, it's kind of freaky. Now, Ezekiel, he's probably freaking out, and he's like, I see dead people, like, for real this time. Like, he sees the dead people. And then it gets worse. For those people that think that God doesn't lead you to some scary places, that verse just blew you up. Because God can lead you to some pretty scary places. I just heard a story before we started service today that goes totally along with that. Leads you to some places that you wouldn't imagine that you'd be to get your attention. Verse 2, then he caused me to pass by them all around. Stop. Now God's like, you need to walk around the valley of dry bones. If you're me, I'm going, I can see from here. All right? I'm good. I, I'm, you know, I'm, distance is good enough. It smells up in this place. It's awful. Right, there's my cousin over there, right? Ugh, all right? Like, bad, bad. And so it's not good. God's like, you need to walk around them. So he says, then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed they were very 
dry. Say dry. Dry. Let me say this before we move on. This will, there will be some hope for you at the end of this message. But for some of you, that's your spiritual condition. Very, very dry. You feel dehydrated. You've lost hope. You haven't heard from God in such a long time. Here's what I believe. And I believe it with all of my heart because I've been praying it. I believe that today you're going to hear from him. And I believe it's going to be very loud and it's going to be very clear what you're supposed to do. Because God is not hiding from you today. You may be dry, but you're in the right spot. Because as we present God's word, and it, it just ministers the way that it so often does. And here's the greatest thing about God's word. There are this many people in the house of God today, and everybody's going to steal something different from this message. Somebody's going to say, I need to go fix something relationship. Somebody's going to say, I need to work on this in my marriage. Somebody's going to say, I'm going to make church my priority. Somebody's going to say, I need to get involved in ministry. So you're all going to walk away with what God wants you to walk away with today, and it's going to be phenomenal. He's not hiding from you. I want to give you hope in that. He's going to change you. He's going to, I call it, revolutionize you. You ready for it? You ready? Come on, you ready? You ready? All right, here we go. Keep listening if that's your condition. Verse 3, and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Now, that's, that's a funny answer there because you know, this proves that Ezekiel probably went to Sunday school because he gives the typical Sunday school answer. I don't know. You're the teacher, right? Like, uh, you know. Um, so it's kind of funny. Maybe he was confused about the question, though. But in this story, we see that the condition of the army that had fallen was that they're the Valley of Bones. That's who they were. They're laying there. There's no life to them. And, and as I begin to think about it, the church in America, that's the condition of the church. You see, the church was created to be important. It was created to be very, very important, but instead, it's become impotent. Got your attention on that one. You know what T.D. Jakes says? Impotent means possessing the equipment, but lacking the passion to perform. That's the condition of the church. We have the equipment. We have the tools. We have all the potential that we need to do what God's called us to do, but we lack the passion to perform. We're impotent as a church. Some of y'all, right? We're going to write that down. Tweet that bad boy out there. Some of y'all are like, I ain't writing the word impotent down. Um, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You know what I think of when I read the book of Acts? Those people loved their church, didn't they? They were in love with what God was doing. They were passionate about what God is doing. Church in the book of Acts, they changed culture. They were super generous. Anybody that had any need, they just did it. It was like, let's just make this thing happen. They meet house to house, breaking bread, loving on one another, praying for one another. The church stood up and, and did what God called them to do in Acts chapter 2. It was phenomenal. The Holy Spirit broke them loose. And you know what? The church was unstoppable. The problem is we've become a valley of dry bones, so much so that 17% of Americans, they're the only ones that even attend church. But close to 80% say that they're followers of Jesus. Did you hear me? 80%, I'm a follower of Jesus, 17% that I attend church. There's a problem. The reason is because we're in love with the Lakers and the Mavericks. We're in love with the Spurs and the WWE and football and baseball and whatever else that we've got distracted by, and we're not in love with Jesus and what he's done for us. That could be a problem. That could be a problem. Remember, we're talking about the problem today. 
right here, the problem is it's become a secondary priority. And in some cases, and in some families, it's not even a priority at all. I might be stepping on your toes a little bit. But it might be exactly what you need to hear today. And I love you enough to say, you know what, I'm going to stand here prophetically able to just do it in boldness and just believe that God's going to use it. Part of it's because I love you and I care about you. How much would I have to hate you to see your spiritual condition and just keep you that way? I'm a pastor. What do you think my job is? I want to help you today. Know what I see so often, though? We're so distracted by what the world's thrown at us that we'll spend years upon years upon years teaching our kids that baseball is important. Teaching our kids that football is important. And we will make that the priority. And church becomes second, third, fourth, and sometimes doesn't even make the list. And what happens is 15, 16, 17 years later, when that kid grows up and he won't listen to anybody, not even you, what happens in so many church cultures is they try to bring those kids back to the church and say, hey, can you fix them? And you know what we have to do? Say, no, we can't. We can't fix them. Because you've taught them for so long that the main thing that's important in life is sports. And I'm just waiting to see the day when a, a group of Christians, which that word means Christ followers, and there are some people that claim to be Christians, and then there are people that are actually Christ followers. I am waiting for the day for Christ followers to stand up and say, you know what, my, my kid, he doesn't play on Sunday. We got more important things to do than that. You know why we don't? Because church isn't number one priority in our hearts. Your kids are going to grow up and they're going to be jacked up, screwed up people if you don't fix it. Part of the reason you're jacked up and screwed up is because your parents didn't do it. Now, I didn't say force religion down their throat. That's not what I said either. But you need to be wise enough because you are the parent. You know what's best for that kid. You need to be wise enough to know that God has a plan for each and every person, including your children. And by the way, if he wanted your, your kid's travel team uh, to, to win and to, to your kid to get a scholarship and to think, don't you think God, who controls everything, has the power to do that for your kid? Amen? He does. He does. And so it comes down to, do we believe God and his sovereignty in knowing what's up in our life, or do we not? What are you training your kids to do? It's a problem. My kids don't play sports on Sunday. Now, they're not old enough yet, but here's the deal. They just don't. And God's going to take care of us. You know what I found? My parents raised me up, and we didn't play any sports. And you know what? At the time, I, I kicked and I complained and I screamed, but thank God I wasn't a fool. Me being in church taught me who I am today. And let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means. Don't put me up on that level. I'm just Randy. Somebody walked around, uh, and they've said this several times, hey, Reverend Randy, they think it's funny. I, that's the weirdest, most awkward position to put. I'm just a regular dude. I have bills. I have payments. I work. I have kids. They throw up. They pour milk on themselves. It's amazing, all right? I am just like you. There's no difference. We're all equal up in this place. God loves us all. No one's more important than anybody else, not even me. Okay, that's the reality. Person working there and those kids, I have higher respect for them than I do for myself because I'm up here with you guys having a good time. You mad, bro? Um, and, and they're back there. They're back there working with those kids. Some of them are changing diapers and some of them are smelling the milk on my kid. All right, I have high respect for them. They're a ten in my eyes. That's the way I do church. Let me tell you something. You let your mom or dad get cancer. All of a sudden, church changes, doesn't it? You ever thought about that? Life's good, going great. You're raising your kids a certain way until mom or dad has cancer. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden now, we're all going to church. Tragedy happens in the world. West Texas, 
explosion, Boston explosion, all these different tragedies that take place, 9-11, those things happen. Everybody, well, we need to get back in church. We are one nation under God, even though we've kept him out of our school system and we keep prying him out of our life. There are three reasons why the church has been on the decline. Letter A, misunderstanding. I hear people say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Listen, the church is full of hypocrites. I already said there's room for one more. You're welcome up in this place. I love getting together with you guys. It's unbelievable. I love Jesus. I've heard people say, you can be a Christian without going to church. Sure you can. But you can also be married and never go home. Either way, that relationship is going to suffer greatly. I've never met anyone who had a dynamic relationship with God that wasn't tied into a local church. I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Listen, every church is screwed up, including this one. We're flat out honest about it. We ain't ain't got no problem. Look around, bro. The ceiling's falling apart in there. Y'all see that? There was water falling on the ceiling, and the ceiling like fell. Like, praise God we don't own this building. But I feel bad for the guy that does, right? Like, we just try to figure that one out. I hope we called that guy, by the way. Somebody's on that. Um, Good, we're good. Um, We're not perfect. And if you find the perfect church, don't join it. Because the minute you do, it becomes imperfect. Don't join the church. Best part about ministry is people. You know what the worst part about ministry is? People. It's amazing how that works. Matthew 18, some people try to throw this scripture around and uh, try to justify things and say, well, I heard where two or three are gathered together, there we can, you know, we can have church and we'll just do church on the lake every week. I'm going to take the kiddos out and we'll just read the Bible. We'll do some, you don't do that, by the way, but you know, we'll just do all that. You know, what's funny about Matthew chapter 18 where that verse is said, it's not talking about church attendance, it's talking about church discipline. And some people try to manipulate scripture to let it justify their behavior. And that's so wrong. By the way, everybody's going to stand accountable to God one day for that stuff. You included, me included, everybody. I just want to help you today. I understand, and I want you to understand that it's very, very, very detrimental to you. Listen, it's a hazard to you to criticize the bride of Christ. Very, very hazard. What is the bride of Christ? The bride of Christ is the church. Let me tell you why it's hazard. We've all been to the weddings, right? I remind you, I said we're going to get back to the weddings. We've all been to the weddings, haven't we? Remember the music? That's a trumpet, you know? Somebody's like cousin. Yeah, somebody's cousin doesn't really know how to play, can't play with a lick, but they let him do it anyways, you know? And, and, and you're there, and you're listening to music that you don't want to listen to, and you're in the shoes that you can't stand being in, and the dress is just not right, and everything's kind of jacked up, but you're there for your buddy because he's getting married. Y'all know the wedding scenario, and this is what's happening. The bridesmaids are walking down so stinking slow, and you're like, come on, man, let's hurry this up. I, you know, we got baseball coming on. And, and it, like, all this stuff happening, and you're just like, come on. And then you hear everybody stands up. Dun, 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 y'all know, come on, dun, 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 and the doors swing open, and the bride is beautiful, and everything looks great. It's like, they've got, this is their day, she's been playing this for 18 and a half years, and, and the crowd, and then someone in the crowd stands up, and this guy goes, boo, 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 and she's walking down the aisle, and this is how, and he's a boo. How would you, what would you do in that scenario? Yeah, exactly. You would want to punch that person in the throat. Sit down, be quiet. Who are you? What, what are you ruining this day for? What in the world is happening up in this mug? 
This is a problem. And can you imagine how, and they know what their excuse is? Well, I came here, I came here for the groom. I don't care for the bride. <laughs> came here for the groom. Bride ain't important. Groom, boo. Yeah, can you imagine what the groom would do? How do you think the groom feels? Dude, he's about to marry this woman. And here this fool over here is booing the bride. Talk about wow. What would, what, I mean, I would be livid. I don't know about you, but I would just like, I would be ticked. I'm the preacher, I know. Dude, I'm still going to be ticked and livid. You do that to my, that's my wife, that's my bride. I love her. That's a bad place to be spiritually when you start criticizing the bride of Christ. Because he's the groom. He's viewing you the way that he's viewing you and hearing what you're saying, seeing how you're living your life, seeing how unimportant his bride is. And listen, he left you here with his bride. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I want to read this verse. It says, On this rock I will build my church. And listen to this. And the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. I'm going to read that again because we're not nearly as fired up as we need to be about that. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. Amen? Amen. We celebrate that. Nothing stands in the way of the church of the living God. Period. He's building his church, which is very freeing for me as a pastor. Because I don't have to worry about whether, oh, is this person coming back? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Hopefully they do this. I don't. It just relieves all stress. Because he's building his church. Not my church. Now, we get to engage in this church. This is, this is the church that we would call our home. However, this is not our church. This is his church. It's a very freeing, there's no stress, no word, no concern, because he's just going to build his church. I'm watching him with my own eyes do it, and I'm fired up that you're here. Because he's put you in a place for the right, right spot, for the right reason, for the right purpose, so that you can engage in the kingdom and do it with us. Thank God you get to be part of the plan. Isn't that cool? He loves you enough to make you a part. Do you realize that since we started gathering together formally on Thursdays, which started actually in February... We've already seen over 20 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Can we celebrate that? There are some people on deck that need to get baptized, and I've already talked to them. Jack, Preston, Issa, Emmy, Jessica, Virska, Bo, Alex, Jessica Wallace, Sarah Wilson, and anyone else who become a follower of Jesus Christ from this point forward until we baptize. If you need to take your next step of baptism, you become a believer in Jesus, and you need to follow him in baptism, we'll baptize you. We want to talk to you. We want to engage with you. We're here to change the world. We're here to do what the Bible called us to do. Letter B, church has been on the decline because of laziness. Now we're going to talk, I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth here because there's different people in the room. So I have to speak both ways. So I want to talk to you about it. There's some lazy people on the planet, amen? Come on, have you met some lazy people, amen? Amen, I've met some lazy folk. You want to know if someone's lazy? See if they belong to a local church or not. That'll tell you right away whether they're lazy. There's some people that, they just jump from church to church to church. They say, well, I like the music here, and I like the preaching here, and I like the people here, and I just, you know, I just can't find a church that has it all. I already told you churches aren't perfect. You know what we call people who sleep around but never commit? <laughs> you mad, bro? <laughs> That's what you are, a spiritual I did. <laughs> God did not call you to attend. He called you to belong. 
He didn't call you to. Thank God there's children in the room. He saved, that saves me from so much mistake. I love you, Jesus. We don't have members in the children's ministry. We don't have members in the, the worship experience. We don't have members in the, in the revolution groups. We don't do membership at the church at all. And there's a reason for that. Okay? We do a thing called um, partnership, where we take ownership of the responsibilities that we have. Because, because members have rights. Members have rights. Owners have responsibilities. Let me tell you what I mean by this. I go to the gym from time to time, as you can tell through the shirt that I'm wearing. Um, that that it's just, it, I'm just, it's amazing what God's doing in my body. But um, um, I, I just, some things you're supposed to keep private, and I'll, I'll try to work on that. Um, but basically, I, I go to the gym from time to time, not very often, because I, I, I lift a bunch of heavy equipment every week. So that kind of counts too. I kind of count that. Um, Bowflex, baby. I got one, and I don't use it. Um, but, uh, I go to the gym from time to time, and here's the deal. If there's a, a machine that breaks, you know what I do? I just, I just go tell the front desk. And I just say, hey, dude, there's a machine back there, and it broke. And they're like, did you break it? I'm like, no. They're like, all right. They're like, well, I paid my 15 bucks, so I'm leaving. Hopefully next week when I come back, that machine will be working. And I walk out because I'm a member. I paid my membership fee, and I'm done. You know what the difference between a member and an owner is? I'm an owner of my house. If the roof starts leaking like what we have in there, guess what? There ain't no front desk. I can't go to my wife and say, honey, it's your responsibility. You're the owner here, all right? It's my responsibility to take ownership of that, that house and go fix that problem. Like I have to take initiative and I have to make it happen. So we don't do membership here. We don't do membership here. We do partnership. And it's very, very important. The problem with America is that there's too many churches reporting to the front desk about the problem and being negative towards the church for not fixing the problem, negative towards the leadership for not doing what they feel the leadership needs to be doing. And the reality is the church, the America needs the church to start being the church, to take initiative, to step out, to do what God has called us to do. We've been laying low and we've been being very lazy. I can't wait to get to the last part of this message because it so fires me up. I want to encourage you. You say, how do I make an impact? How do I make a difference? I encourage you. We've already mentioned it. 7.08 on Thursday at 7.08. Yes, 7.08. We don't start at 7. 7.08, okay, because we know you come late, so just come at 7. We'll work it out. It'll all be good. Um, 7.08 on Thursday. Come to Growth Track, and we're going to take you through a four-week process that's going to help identify how you can get a part of the, what we call the dream team. And I'm developing a team of people, I believe God's developing a team of people that we call the dream team that are going to just do an amazing work here in McKinney. They're going to change this whole city. It's going to change us in the process and it's just going to be exciting. And we're going to be a, what we call a movement. I, I want to get shirts that just say, I am a revolution. I think it's cool. I think God can do it. If you don't know how to get in part, come to that. I promise I'll help you. Letter C, the church is declining because we're obsessed with image image. You know, it's, we, be, we begin to develop a bunch of rule followers. Rule followers. Obsessed with how we look as opposed to who we really are in Jesus. That's a problem. Example, we've come up with a, a term that we call church clothes. Where did that come from? Like nowhere in the Bible. I've never read in the Bible. And they were in their church clothes. <laughs> Second Opinions chapter 3. All right. What's up with that? Where did that come from? 
Never found that phrase. Somewhere in America we have that idea, though, that if you wear a coat and if you have a tie on, that you're the most spiritual person in the room. Matter of fact, there were some of you that came to church today and you saw me in my red pants and my shirt and you're like, he needs to get saved. (laughs) All right? (laughs) You weren't expecting me to come up here. You're just like, what's up with that guy? You know, you see a guy with kind of some messed up hair, maybe some shaggy clothes. He's sagging a little bit, and he's got some ink on his skin. And you just think, that dude needs to find Jesus today. We'll pray for him. And he might be more spiritual than you are. Church clothes. It, it's just, how jacked up is that, that we've, we've become this way? It's taken nearly 2,000 years to make the church as boring as we've made it. Y'all having a good time today? Is it good? Are you fun? I'm, I'm in a good mood, man. I'm pumped about who God is, and I celebrate it, man. We get to come in here and open our Bible freely and feel the presence of God. It's amazing what we get to experience. And it's taken us 2,000 years to make it as boring as we've made it. Not meant to be that way. You know, um, one, of the, one of the things that happens in church so, so crazily is church is so judgmental. Y'all catch that? Pharisees in the Bible, most churches are full of Pharisees. It's very, very sad. I don't want to become a church full of, full of Pharisees. We're not perfect, but man, I sure don't want to strive for so much perfection that we become Pharisees and that we become so judgmental towards other people. I had a, a, a story back in Ohio um, that I have to share with you. There was a lady, her name was Burt Keller, and she had short hair and she would dye it like purple. All right, and the, the lady, I don't know how old she was in her 50s. She was awesome, like purple, purple, like hardcore purple. Now, my wife's got the rockin' red hair, which I love, but this lady's hair was like purple, and I loved it. Well, there was this one lady that had a real big problem, and I'm sure you guys have all been part of the church where the, you know, whatever, all right, all that. And that's all craziness. We don't want to talk about that too long, but that's, that happens. And there was this lady doing this, and the teenage daughter was overhearing this happen in the car, and finally she just got so fed up with hearing her mom complain about Bert's hair that what she did is she said, well, Mom, is that your natural hair color? Like, brownish-black hair is okay, but purple hair is not okay. Who cares? Why is it your job? Who made you the Holy Spirit? And whoever told you that, go introduce me to him because I need to talk to him too, all right? (laughs) Didn't happen. Church has got messed up. There's so much hypocrisy. And you know what's funny? We can always see the hypocrisy in everybody else, can't we? Always we can see it. Well, they just need to do this. If they would do that, it would change everything. Well, the reason they have problems is because they won't do this or that. Well, why don't you stop focusing on everybody else and figuring everybody else out, Mr. Dr. Phil, you are, um, and focus on yourself. Because just as much as you can say all that about everybody else, I'll turn to you and tell you 25 things that you need to fix. But that's not my job, and that's not your job. So why don't we focus on becoming who God created us to be, get in His Word, let it speak, and then go do something about it. When we focus that way and we get pride out of the way and selfishness and all that stupidity that comes along with the church world, when we just remove it and say this is who God wants us to be, we, we flourish. You about ready for the gasoline to be thrown on you? I'm so pumped. We're almost there. Isaiah 29 talks about this type of church world. See, all the way back in the prophet Isaiah, way back in the Old Testament, he was talking about the church today. Here's what he said in verse 13. The Lord said, In so much as these people draw near with their mouths, With their mouths they proclaim me, and they honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. 
and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Woo! I'd like to get into some of our churches and just read that. I would just get up and I would read it and I'd say, why are you so judgmental? Why are you focused on everybody else and not your relationship with God? And then I'd just read it one more time and then walk out. Like, it's a, it's a one-minute service. No, we're in our church. I'm not going anywhere else. They can figure it out. But here's the deal. All that crazy nonsense is taught by the precept of men. It's not of God. If it's not of God, why are we doing it? Not trying to create another church that looks like every other church that may be doing things their way. They're a different flavor. Again, there are certain people that are going to be drawn to those churches. And praise God that they're there because they wouldn't fit here. I'd keep asking them if they're mad, bro. All right? It wouldn't work. And so there's different flavors. There's different expressions. We're just one expression of how to do church. We just want to have a good time doing it because we believe it can be fun. Um, all right. In order for us, number two, to have the church that we see as important and love to attend, we need to understand the second thing. Write this down. The people. Got to understand the people. See, we talked about the problem, and it was kind of negative. And I don't like doing negative messages because you kind of, I just, that's not my thing. But, but it's real. It's real. It's, it's just the way our churches are nowadays. And not all of them, but, but a vast majority. And I, I, I got to address the problem. But now we talk about the people. I want you to know that Revolution Church should be a church that, as we started, that no perfect people are allowed ever. No perfect people are allowed up in this place. I want jacked up, screwed up, messed up, high, you know, don't know what's up, don't even know where they're sitting at right now, people. Coming up into the house of God to hear God's message preached to them. That's what I want. I want some people who got pregnant outside of marriage. They come here. I want you all here. Some churches, they get all, where'd that come from? Oh, we were love on some people. Don't those people need help and guidance too? So we kick them while they're down then. That makes a lot of sense. You help them up. I want to be a place where we can just encourage anybody and everybody from every walk of life, from whatever background, whatever style, whatever. whatever. You're welcome here. We love you here. God loves you. More than anybody in the whole world's ever loved anybody, God loves you. We want to help you see that. I want you to read with me verse 4. Y'all like, are we ever going to get back to the Bible? Yes, we are. Verse 4. Here we go. Calm down, bro. Some of you personality types, you get going with me here. You already read the whole chapter while I've been up here. All right, calm down. Again, he said to me, prophesy or speak to these bones. Preach to the bones and say to them. He, wait a second. Ezekiel's sitting there in front of the bones. He, and God just said, preach to the dead bones. I didn't say like the dead body, like the bones. Like there's no skin even. Bones. If God asks you to do that, what do you think? And you're like, what, weirdo? What? You want me to do what? Preach to the bones. He said, preach to the bones. Say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'm about to fire you up. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So he gives him, he gives this prophet a word to preach. And so I believe that he preached the gospel. I believe that he, he probably got up before the bones and he said, okay, if everybody will get your Bible. Crap, you guys don't have any Bibles. No projectors, no screens. You're stuck, right? And it, I believe he just opened it up and said, God, you're going to have to do something here. Kind of like you just obey God and you just have faith to believe that he's going to make something happen. Kind of like what we did sitting in my house. And you just, God, you're going to have to do something because this is awful, man. It's just me and Amy and 
we're not that good. And so we needed some help. And so verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones, they came together. Imagine the picture here. This is God's word. Let it speak to you. The bones, they came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh, they came upon them, and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Can you imagine this? Ezekiel probably was losing his flipping mind. It was a day of days. I wonder what the dinner table looked like that day. You won't believe what I did today. Well, you won't believe what I did today, all right? Like, woo! That was a supernatural act of God. The Bible says when we preach the word of God that it does not return void. It means it doesn't go out there and nothing happens to it. The word gets preached and it waters and it it does something amazing to the people that hear it. It was a supernatural thing that happened. You go from death to life. That's something that we celebrate about because we get to do it every Sunday, every Thursday. We get to preach and hear God's word and we get to celebrate that God does something. Amen? It's amazing what he does. Normal people at normal churches, they don't love their church. But I'm not asking you to be normal. I'm asking you to be weird. Be weird with me. I want you to love what God's doing. Here's the cool thing. We haven't even started the church yet. It blows my mind too. Mind blown. God's working. Spirit's moving. People's lives are being changed, and we haven't even started. Can we just celebrate Jesus for a minute? Can I just say Jesus, and we just, God, praise you? See, we lost focus of what the church was about at some point, and this is free. We thought it was about information. It's never been about information. It's been about transformation. So when you get to be a part of uniting with something that sees lives changed, where they went from the abandonment mode and stress and worry and concern to being free in Jesus Christ, it's a freeing feeling. That's what church is all about. I'm not here to make sure that you get every piece of knowledge out of the Bible and I teach you everything that I can possibly teach you out of the Bible. That's not what God called me to do. Call me to change lives. You too. You too. I believe with all of my heart that the church is the best thing that's happened since 2,000 years ago. It's the best thing that God ever instituted. Like God knew what he was doing. Well, I don't like it. I don't like how loud it is up in here. Listen, if you don't like how loud it is up in here at this church, you're going to hate heaven. You know how many trumpets... Listen, you know how many trumpets I read about in Revelation? A lot of trumpets. I don't like all the noise, and I don't like all the shouting, and I don't like, you know, listen, I want a loud church, and I want a bigger church. You know why? Not because I just want to have all these numbers. I want to see lives change. Every person represents a life that went from death to life. Every single person. And I believe that the mission that when Jesus, right before he left, he said, go get them. And the first thing he's going to say is, when I get to there to heaven, he's going to say, did you go get him? I think that's probably pretty important. Last thing he said, first thing he's going to say, I probably ought to go get him. So I'm going to run. I'm going to run the race, and I hope you'll run it with me. Did you know that one in four people, if you ask them to come to church, will come? One in four. Now, what happens many times is the devil's smart. He puts the first three in front of you, and then you give up. <laughs> he's not a fool. He knows. I encourage you. Make my day and invite somebody to come to church with you next week. Do what God's asked you to do. Go be the church to them. The church doesn't end here in a few minutes. We're almost done. Some of you are like, oh, my back's hurting. Calm down. All right, listen. The church doesn't end when we say amen here. The church starts. I unleash you and you go be the church. And you, listen, I partner with you and you engage more people into this place and I tell them about who Jesus is. It's amazing. People's lives get changed. Then they celebrate with you about, thank you so much for inviting me to this place. 
It's changing my life. It's working on me. Praise God. That's what we're looking for. Number three, in order for us to have a church that we see as important and love to attend, we need to understand the third thing, the potential. Y'all ever went driving in a car that was really fast? Come on now, you can lie. Okay, just get some hands up to make me feel like, okay, good. Um, some of you teenagers ought to not probably answer this next question. Anybody gone over 100 miles an hour? Some of you teenagers are stupid. All right. I just told you, you better be careful. Your parents are sitting right next to you. But that's all right. You can talk about it when you get home. Listen, <laughs> I'm not going to be there either. It's fun. Let me know how that goes, by the way. Here's the deal. I, I remember going, I was like 17. I was brand new to driving, really. And I wanted to see how fast my car could go. Don't y'all just wonder? You know, I wonder how fast this thing. Like, I know the speedometer says that. I think it go faster than that. You know, like, <laughs> like, hold it down there for 10 more seconds. I think it'll go a little faster. And I remember I got to about 120 miles an hour, and I almost crapped my pants. <laughs> it was scary. Like, I, I chickened out at some point. But you know what I realized? The speedometer said 160. Like, I had a fast car. But once I got to about 120, I got real scared, and I backed off. Plus, I thought I saw a cop, so <laughs> it kind of it helped. <laughs> it wasn't a cop, but I was scared. Um, that's why I almost crapped. But, okay, uh, long story short, long story short, that thing had the potential to go even faster. Like, I could have kept going, but I slowed down. I stopped. I took my foot off that gas pedal, and I started putting the brake on. Look around. Everybody look around this room. I want you to look all the way to the front, all the way back. Check that girl out up and down. <laughs> I gave you an opportunity, man. Take those opportunities as I give them, all right? Now, if they're married, keep your eyes to yourself. Um, the potential in this room is unbelievable. The potential in this room is unbelievable. All the way from the abilities, I start just looking at the talent, man. I, I got those, we did, we did that growth track 301, and I started looking at everybody's spiritual gifts after you guys turned them in this past Thursday. I looked at all of them, and I just thought, wow. It is unreal, the giftedness that God has put in this church. It fires me up to think about it. You know what my biggest fear as a pastor is? That you're going to put your foot on the brake. That you're going to think that you're not capable. That you're going to think that you're not good enough. That you're going to think that you're not qualified. That you're going to think you don't have it in you. Let me tell you the best thing about becoming a follower of Jesus. He gives to us with his Holy Spirit. He gifts us with it. And that Holy Spirit is able to do what we are not able to do. When it comes down to us giving and we say, I don't know if I can give this because it's going to be tough. The Holy Spirit knows how to not only encourage us to do it, but he knows how to take care of us too. When he says, I don't know if I can teach, he knows how to gift you with the mouth and the words that you need to get up there and speak to those kids and to speak to those teenagers and to speak to those people. And you just do it and God just blesses. He blesses not only the people hearing it, he blesses you in the meantime. It's unbelievable the potential in the room. I encourage you to rev the engine and fly with me. I want you to fly with me. I want to call you out right now. Listen, I'm calling you out right now. And I'm saying, God did not call you to sit in a chair. 
God did not call you to attend. God called you to do ministry. Everybody. Not just the pastor. Well, I'm not a preacher. I didn't ask you to be a preacher. I asked you to use your gift that God gave you to do ministry. Everybody is gifted. Everybody can do it. Listen, I have a 2020 vision. By the year 2020, I want to see 20,000 people come to know Jesus Christ. Not for my glory, for his glory. Make it clear, not for my glory, for his glory. Sometimes that gets tied, twisted. Well, they just need a bigger church. Da, da, da. They just want. I didn't move 17 hours away and leave all comfortability so I could play a game. I left it all because I was serious about following Jesus. And I saw what he saw. And now I'm doing what he wants me to do. We talked about the problem. We talked about the people. We talked about the potential. I need to make one last statement, and then we're going to get out of here. I know it's longer. Please bear with me. Please bear with me. May I have a few more minutes? Okay. Thank you. September 22nd, I want to do a grand opening here at this church. A grand opening. It's not a launch day. It's a grand opening. September 22nd. On that day, the goal is that we have 220 people come into this place. There's a reason behind it. Let me tell you it. Basically, I'm a missionary. I've asked a lot of churches to, to fund me and give me support. Here's what's going to happen. At January, my support is going to cut down um, a third from all my support. Okay, That's going to be a dip in my ability to be able to just do ministry. They do a thing that they call high-impact church plant. If you have 220 people attend um, your church within like a year, they call you high impact and they keep your funding at a high level. 100% of your funds stay for three years. This is kind of a big deal. Okay, I've been praying that God give me direction on what to do. I believe that we need to do a grand opening on September 22nd. And we need to strive our best to funnel everybody that we know into that day. And we can do it. I've already taken the chairs. I've measured the room. I've seen how we do it. We've got an overflow room right over there. Glass windows. Y'all can still see. We're going to plug everything up in there. Everything's going to be great. We're going to get 220 people in here. You know what? We're, we're going to not only achieve the goal of just the financial part, but we're going to see lives changed on that day. So what I want you to start doing right now, and we got time. I want you to start praying for those people that you're going to invite. People that you know not only need to just come and see what this church is about, but people that you know that are far from God. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to with passion preach my guts out. I'm going to tell them about a God who loves them. Last point, it's free. It's not in your notes. Ready? The problem. We talked about the people. We talked about the potential. Last thing I want to talk about is the person. Write it down in your notes. It's an extra piece. It's a bonus, if you will. You guys are lucky today. If they missed it, they didn't come, they didn't get the bonus. You guys got the bonus. The person. The biggest thing in church, the biggest thing that I could do for you, the best gift that I could ever give you is not a million dollars. It's not. I could be your friend and that would be a pretty good thing, but that's not the best thing I could do for you. The best thing that I could do as a pastor is give you the gift of the person, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you just a hair about him because I like him a lot. He's focused on in the Bible all throughout the word and I just got to tell you a little bit about him and then we're going to get out of here. But listen, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He left a perfect heaven 
perfect. Nothing was wrong in that place at all. He left a perfect heaven to come to this imperfect place called earth with imperfect people. And he did it so he could accomplish a mission. He, was, he had a purpose. He was there for a purpose. He was on purpose. It was all there for a specific reason. And here's what it was. He saw the condition of the people. As he looked from heaven down onto earth, he said, they're sinners. What's a sinner? It's a person who does anything that's, that's uh, contrary to God's word. Contrary to God's word. Doing things that are wrong. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We fall short of who he is. He's perfect up here. We're imperfect down here. All of us. That's the Bible. He said, I can't keep them that way. Because if they stay that way as sinners, then that means that they would be condemned to a sinner's hell. And that's not my desire for their life. I can't see that train wreck coming and just leave them there and say, I hope it works out. Because he loved me and he loved you so much, he said, you know what? I've got to give you an opportunity to accept my gift. What is his gift? Romans 6.23 says, for the payment of sin is death. The only way to pay for sin, that, that problem that we have, is to die. Either you choose to die and your payment for, for that sin, that death, you die. And you pay for it and you go to hell. That's the way that you can pay for your own sin. The payment of sin is death. I love the rest of that verse, though. It's found in Romans 6.23. But, that three-little word, but, is so important in that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life, and it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because when he came to the earth, Jesus came and he died on a cross. When he died, the Bible says that his death can pay for your sin. He's your substitute. He loved you that much to see your condition and say, you know what, I'm going to come to the earth, I'm going to die, so my death could pay for their sin. It'd be the same as if I said, hey, I have a Mountain Dew, bro. And I want to give you this Mountain Dew. And you say, no, 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 no. I got a dollar. I'm going to go put it in the machine and get my own Mountain Dew. And I say, no, 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 bro. I just went and I just put the dollar in. I just got you this Mountain Dew. Take the gift. And you're like, no, 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 dude. I really want to pay for the Mountain Dew. Please let me go take my dollar. I'm like, dude, what are you being a fool for, man? I'm giving you the Mountain Dew. It's already paid for. Here's the gift. Just grab it. Take it. That's the gift I'm offering you today. The person, Jesus Christ. He said that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. You're saved from an eternity of having to pay for that sin on your own. Going to hell. I don't want you to go there. I love you enough to tell you about it. I love you enough to keep you 15 extra minutes to tell you about it. Oh, my butt hurts. Calm down. I love you that much. And I care about people that much. The question is, do you have the person? Have you ever reached out and taken the gift? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, here's what I'm not saying very clearly. I am not saying that you know about who God is. It's not about a head knowledge. It's about a heart knowledge. Do you have a relationship with Jesus in your heart? 